Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslender. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on November 13th, 2022. Again, I welcome you to Avondale Baptist Church. I apologize to those of you who already heard a version of this sermon at the convention this week. You will either be double blessed or double bored. I'm not sure which it will be. But what I'm doing today, we've been studying in the Gospel of Luke for much of the, the, the last year, and I'm kind of summarizing the things that we have learned in Luke and using stories from our own ministry that many of you have heard because I want you to know the reason we do what we do. This is our strategy for reaching people And I want you to know that our strategy is based on what Jesus did. Now, we're having some technical difficulties today. So if you're with us online, we apologize for the lack of, uh, well, you probably can't hear me. So my apologies, doing no good. (laughs) But I can at least wave to you. We got the the, uh, uh, video, but uh, we've had some challenges this morning. But I want to tell you this. I hadn't been pastor here very long when one of our ladies approached me. I had just finished talking about missions, cooperative program giving, International Mission Board, North American Mission Board. Our our church has always been good in giving to mission causes, and we still are. And she came by, and she commended me for that, but she asked me, but what mission projects are we doing right here in Avondale? And, and I, I kind of fumbled through the answer, given her kind of all the standard church-as-usual things. I told her, well, you know, we, we preach the gospel, and we have a good Sunday school and vacation Bible school, and we're baptizing, not as many as we'd like to, but we're baptizing. And I mentioned all of our usual church ministries. She thanked me but left me with the distinct impression that she wasn't impressed. I had this strange feeling from God for days that maybe God had used her to tell me that church as usual is not enough. I'm happy to tell you that things have changed in our church. I bragged about all of you repeatedly at the state convention. I think I frustrated some other pastors because I told them two or three times that we have the best members in the state of Arizona. And I told them about some of the things that we do. You guys agree? I I, I agree 100%. You read the next article of Portraits Magazine because the pastor from Trinity Baptist Church in uh, Casa Grande it was, it was his job to kind of take down the notes of what he heard at the convention and write an article about it. And he came up to me and said, Pastor, you read my article, but there will be a footnote about my own members. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. And so I told the convention, the ministries that our, our church volunteers lead. I, I told them that we now offer free brown bag lunches every Monday through Thursday. We offer free medical care and medicine 
every Monday. We feed and house the homeless on Wednesdays, and we started a network of churches to cover the other seven nights of the week. We offer a free barbecue lunch in our parking lot on Wednesdays. We run a basketball league for children and teens. We have a monthly distribution with St. Mary's Food Bank in our parking lot. We host an annual project connect day to combat homelessness, offering breakfast and lunch and backpacks and showers and haircuts and bike repair and medical care in connection with dozens of nonprofit and government organizations. We host a Christmas party for Angel Tree Kids every Christmas. We say we love God and love people and follow Jesus, and we, make, we work hard to make sure that it's more than just words. We find ways to put it into practice. And so today I want to share with you what we do and why we do it and encourage each of you to get involved in one of our many ministries that help us open the door and show God's love to people. And then we have an avenue to tell them about God's love. And the first thing that we do is that we look to Jesus. In other words, we get our doctrine right. We make sure that what we are doing is what Jesus taught us to do. I've been preaching through the Gospel of Luke, and I want you to see how many times, I've told you this before, but it just amazes me when I, I read through and studied through and been preaching through the Gospel of Luke, how many times in the Gospel of Luke Jesus met human needs as part of his ministry to share God's love. In chapter 4, he cast a demon out of a man, we'd probably call him mentally ill today, but he cast a demon out of the man, he healed his mother-in-law, and he went late into the night healing people. In chapter 5, he healed a man with leprosy, he healed a man who had been dropped through the roof, and he shared a meal with a group of tax collectors and sinners. In chapter 7, he healed the servant of a centurion. He raised the son of a widow from the dead, and he hung out with a sinful woman. In chapter 8, he saved his disciples from a storm. He restored the sanity of a demon-possessed man. He raised a girl from the dead, and he healed a long-term sick woman. In chapter 9, he fed 5,000 hungry men and their families, and he healed a boy with convulsions. In chapter 10, he sent out his disciples, you all go do what I have been doing. In chapter 11, he drove a demon out of a man who could not speak. In chapter 13, he healed a crippled woman and he dared to do it on the, sap, on the Sabbath. That's as far as we've gone so far in the Gospel of Luke, but it will continue and we will continue to see that was Jesus' ministry. He loved people, he cared about people, he met their needs, and then he shared with them the gospel, the truth. Right on up through his crucifixion, he found ways to show God's love to people and then tell people about God's truth. And I want to tell you that that still works. That's what we do. Gospel of Luke, it's there all the way through. We show people God's love, and then we have earned the right to tell them about God's love. I can't cast out demons or heal people. I can't feed 5,000 people 
with a sack lunch. I can't preach with the power of Jesus. But I am a believer in and a follower of Jesus just like you. So I do everything that is within my power to follow the example of Jesus. And there are ways, and this church has found them, to feed people, heal people, and help people. And they're within our power. And so that's part of our calling, to be like Jesus. So I want to make sure that you get your doctrine right and you understand why we do what we do. Too many times in church life, people make a distinction between social ministry and gospel ministry. I am not asking you to help people instead of telling people about Jesus. I'm asking you to be like Jesus, show people God's love, and they are 10 times more likely to hear our message of God's love. Understand, in, in the world today, people are being bombarded with messages Religious messages from all kinds of groups, political messages from every group there is, philosophical messages, educational messages. So we have determined that we will be like Jesus. We will not just tell people about God's love. We will show them God's love, and then they will be more likely to listen to us. One of the favorite passages that I, I, I studied in the Gospel of Luke with you is found in Luke chapter 9, verses 12 through 13. It's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with one lunch. Let me read it to you. It's in, in Luke 9, verses beginning with verse 12, just a part of the story. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. And Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. And they answered, but we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 people were there. So do you see the need? The first thing the disciples did was they saw the need. I'm amazed that they would actually go up and have the audacity to interrupt Jesus. Hey, hey, Jesus, we need to say, and all the people said, amen, and send these people home. You need to stop preaching. I, I can't imagine that, that the disciples would have the audacity to do that. Don't try it on me today, okay? Um, but, but I can't imagine that they would say, Jesus, we need to call this to an end. The day is over. we got to send these people out because they're hungry and they don't have any place to stay. So let's say amen while they still have time to, 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 to go down to you know, Chick-fil-A or something like that. It was Saturday, not Sunday. They could do that. To go down to Chick-fil-A and get something to eat because we can't feed them. They saw the need. They asked Jesus for help. And then Jesus gave them an answer that they didn't anticipate. You feed them. You feed them. And then they offered all the excuses. We don't have the money. We don't have the food. And Jesus said, then follow my instructions. And Jesus gave him instructions how to set the crowd down and how to break it up and how to break the bread and to start distributing it. And amazingly, the people's needs were met. 
And that's what we do. We see the need. We take it to Jesus. Sometimes, just like the disciples, we say, hey, the need is way bigger than there's anything that we can do about it. But as we begin to follow the instructions of Jesus, we find out we can do far more than we thought we could do. And so they obeyed and they did what Jesus told them and the needs of the people were met and they continued to hear the truth of Jesus. So we're going to impact our community for Christ and that's what we want to do. We want to make a difference here in the city of Avondale. If we're going to impact our community to Christ, we have to look to Jesus first. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's even our model for ministry. Hundreds, maybe thousands of books written about church strategy in today's world. Ultimately, I would take you back to the Bible. Look to Jesus. How did he do ministry? And that's how we want to do ministry. So look to Jesus. And then after you look to Jesus, then look at your community. Look at the needs. What do people need? Some needs are obvious. For years, we have had homeless people camping on our property. So the need for a homeless ministry was obvious. Sometimes the needs are more subtle. You see this picture? It's me in my other role as a basketball referee praying with teens before the game. But I want you to take a good hard look at that picture. What do you see? Yeah, there's only one old white guy in the whole picture. Thank you, Denise. <laughs> That's our community, and we got a whole church of old white guys. And so we need to look at our community and begin to ask, how are we going to reach our community and not just old white Southern Baptists? And how are we going to do that? And the need was pretty obvious when we, we looked around that every basketball court in the city was full almost all the time. And so we started a basketball ministry. We started with children. The teenagers wanted to play. And so those of you that can remember, at, at the very beginning then, after the, the children's season, we enlisted four coaches and we set dates. And I will tell you, when we started, I was disappointed because we had, had enough players for four teams. Almost all of the initial players at that point were from our church and other mostly white churches. And we weren't yet reflecting our community. But you start with what we had. We had a couple of weeks of practice, and we were set for the first games on Saturday and then just two days before the first game, an eighth grade boy by the name of Bryson ran up to me in our church parking lot when I was walking across the street. He came running up to me. Are you the pastor? Well, yes, I am. He said, I hear you have a basketball league. Yes, we do. He said, can I play? I said, Yes, I got room for one more person on a team. I can put you on a team. You can play. He said, no, I got lots of friends who want to play. You know, I, I don't have enough coaches and enough slots. Now, I thank God that Bryson was a very persistent young man because he just said, I said, I need more coaches. And he just looked at me and said, can you coach? 
well, I can. And then I said, but, but the only time I would have available for practice, this was Thursday, was tonight at 7 o'clock. He immediately whips out his phone. Terrell, this is Bryson. Yeah, Terrell, we get to play basketball tonight, 7 o'clock at the church, the one across from the street. He said, um, it's a co-ed league. Keyshawn, yeah, this is Bryson. We get to play basketball tonight, 7 o'clock at the church. And then, and then he calls Marlon, and he calls James, and he calls Paris, and he calls Trey. All from the area around the church, all black, first game in two days. I had to rewrite the schedule and call all the other coaches because, you know, writing a schedule with four teams is easy. Writing a schedule with five teams is not because some teams are going to have to play twice to let everybody play. And so I had to rewrite the schedule. But the coaches, I reminded them, hey, we're trying to reach people in our community. They were all good with it until the first game. <laughs> they were good with it until the first game when we played and the other coach called a timeout a few minutes into the first quarter when the score was Jack's great team 20, other team zero. <laughs> and during the timeout, Phillip's over there shaking his head. I got glared at. Yeah, you waited until afterwards and you went out and you found some ringers so your team could win. I want to tell you, we easily won the championship. And trying to bring a little bit of fairness to it, we put an all-star team from the other four teams to play against my team after the season. And uh, we didn't dominate quite as much. We won about 80 to 27. <laughs> after the season, we thought, okay, so, so we can use basketball to reach teenagers. So we scheduled another season. And Bryson came up to me very wise for his age, eighth grader, and he came up to me. We were the gray team, by the way. And he said, Pastor Jack, we, we want to keep the gray team together. And I said, Bryson, we, we can't do that. It wouldn't be fair. And Bryson put his hands on his hips, and he looked at me. He says, oh, I get it, Pastor Jack. You want a token black on every team. <laughs> I said, no, Bryson, I want a token basketball player on every team. I still see Bryson on occasion. Marlon, who was on that team, is a regular attender and a coach. He now has three children. We baptized his wife last month and dedicated his children about three weeks ago. Listen, we're not reaching as many as we'd like, but it works. You get involved in your community. You fill a need in the name of Jesus. And you have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. That's our strategy. And then number three, if you're going to make a stand for Jesus, you need to take a look at yourself. If you're going to be out in our community representing Jesus, then you and I and our church, we must live lives worthy of the calling because once you stand up for Jesus, people look to see if your life and your words match. Peter said in 1 Peter, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Live such good lives that when people look at you, even though they don't like what you stand for, they realize this is a good man and a good group and a good church and good people. 
Now, just a little bit of church history. Most of you that have been around for a long time know this. Not all of you do. But when I came to this church in 1999, this church had a horrible reputation. In the years before I came, church staff and pastors and their families had had some very serious and very public trouble. It was immorality, suicides, adultery, and the town knew it. The chairman of the Pastor Selection Committee, Jim Stewart, still an active member of our church, he was also the city of Avondale chief of police, and he later served as president of the Arizona Southern Baptist Convention. He told me the ugly stories because he thought I needed to know them before I said yes. And then he looked me in the eye, and I will always remember this. He said, Pastor Jack, if you ever cheat on your wife, we will not fire you. They will never find your body. <laughs> and he said, I'm the chief of police, and I could make that happen. It was a very dramatic way of telling me that I better live up to my calling. We talk a lot in the church about accountability. That's the most accountable thing that anybody has ever told me. Do wrong, nobody will know what happened to you. So if you're going to impact your community for Christ, you've got to look to Jesus. You've got to look to the community. You've got to look at yourself. And listen, you know the stories. They're disgusting, but they're all over the news. Pastors, church leaders committing adultery, abuse, theft of church funds. The media loves those stories. We've got to stop giving the media those stories. We need to get our own lives in order if we are going to stand for Jesus. We need to be worthy of the calling. Number four, the fourth thing we need to do if we're going to reach our community is look to our members, you guys. Every believer in Jesus, and I want you to know this, every believer in Jesus has gifting and abilities and talents, and many can lead quality ministries if they knew the church staff would support them. Our homeless ministry is completely led by volunteers. I go to the meetings, and I say, good job. That's my role. Our monthly food distribution is totally led by volunteers. I come by on those Wednesday mornings with a cup of coffee, pat everybody on the back, tell them they're doing great, and move on. Our medical care is totally led by volunteers. And honestly, I take a look at that some Monday and think, this place is better organized than my own doctor's office. Angel Tree is led by committed and gifted volunteers. I get to show up on the party day and hand out some gifts and share the gospel at the Christmas party. By then, the volunteers have put in literally hundreds of hours. Our special needs ministry is being totally led by by volunteers. And by the way, they had the best table at the state convention this last week. I do, as you have seen, get personally involved in basketball. Because if I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to today, ask you to be involved in one of our outreach ministries, I need to set the example myself. We have the best members of any church in the state because they've stepped forward and they do the work. 
And my job, some weeks it's really easy. My job is to walk around with a cup of coffee in my hand and say, good job, good job, good job, way to go. I'm going to go back to my office and play video games. No, that's not what I do. <laughs> Let me tell you how one of our ministries got started. Our brown bag ministry gives out about 40 to 50 brown bags a day. It's neat to see. People come in, no questions asked. They get a bag. Sometimes we get a chance to talk to them. Sometimes we don't. But it started when a member who has since moved on, some of you will remember Renee Duncan, um, she, she asked me on the way out the door one Sunday, hey, what do we do when a hungry person comes by and asks for food? I said, we give them a voucher to go to the, the food bank. And she said, that's not good enough. She said, can I come in and talk to you this week? And so she did. A couple days later, she set up an appointment, and she came in, and she brought me a brown bag lunch, and she put it on my desk, and she said, this is what I'd like to see us do. Anybody comes in hungry, we give them a brown bag lunch, they can eat right then. No vouchers, no other trips, they, they got something to eat. She said, can we do it? And I kind of took a couple of seconds and pondered the logistics, and I'm afraid she thought I was going to say no. So she said, listen, I'll buy the stuff. I'll put them together. I'll bring them in. Can our receptionist just hand them out? Took a sip of my coffee and said, yes, let's do it. She did exactly what she said she would do. She put some bags together. She brought them in, gave it out. For several years, she continued the ministry even to raising the money. I'll tell you, from some of your perspective, it's not a great lunch. It's a can of Vienna sausage because that stuff never goes bad. And so we can keep that ahead of time. A bag of chips, a sleeve of cookies, a, a Gatorade is often supplemented with fresh fruit or fresh sandwiches or fresh pastries or whatever people bring in. But it need, meets a need. And we often get to share the gospel with hungry people as a result. I miss one of our members, Hilda. Her daughter's with us here today because Hilda was the world's best at sitting in the foyer, handing out brown bag lunches and holding on to it just long enough to ask, can I tell you about Jesus? Have a seat. Oh, here's your brown bag lunch. <laughs> and she did a great job while they sat there and ate their lunch of telling people about Jesus. We have good members. And so pastors and church leaders need to learn to say yes when you all have a great idea and you're willing to work. Sixth thing we do is we look to partners. Cooperate with others. Because we have found many ministries, and there are good ones out there, they are willing to help us, to teach us, to partner with us. Mission of Mercy oversees our, our medical care. They're a nonprofit Christian organization, originally, by the way, Roman Catholic. Our Southern Baptist entities help us. St. Mary's Food Bank helps us. We learn basketball ministry from Upward Basketball. United Way helps with Project Connect in the city of Avondale when United Way couldn't help us with the next Project Connect. Lutheran Social Services helps us with our homeless ministries. Not all of these organizations agree with us on every point of doctrine. 
but they help us show God's love and earn the right to tell people about God's love. Mayor Ken Weiss of the city of Avondale came on Friday and spoke at our convention. Um, David Johnson said, we've never had a mayor of a city show up to the Arizona Southern Baptist Convention before, but um, I asked him he would just give a welcome to the convention. I didn't ask him to say this. I didn't know he was going to say this, but it made me incredibly proud of all of you when he said, hey, listen, I'm not a Southern Baptist. I am a member of Trinity Lutheran Church. But he said, no church of any denomination has more of an impact for good in this city than does Avondale Baptist Church. So not only did I brag on you, he bragged on you. You feeling good yet? Because in a minute, I'm just going to ask you to get back to work. Anyway. And a big part of that is because we've learned that we can partner with others who have expertise that we don't have, and that helps us carry our influence far beyond what we could do on our own. Partnership is a big part of our strategy. But don't forget number six. We have to remember our focus. What we're about. We're not just about feeding the hungry. We're not just about sheltering the homeless. We're not just about playing basketball with children and teenagers. Our focus is Jesus. It's not food. It's Jesus. It's not medicine. It's Jesus. It's not food and shelter. It's Jesus. We represent Jesus, act like Jesus, talk like Jesus, pray in Jesus' name, give out Bibles about Jesus, and share the gospel of Jesus. That's our ultimate goal, and everything else is a tool that we use. We, we love people, so we love them. We shower them with love in whatever ways they need, but ultimately, the most loving thing we can do for them is to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I challenge you, as you work in your ministry, remember, this is not about basketball. This is not about food. It's not just about shelter. Not just about medicine. It's about Jesus. And that's our focus and our strategy. So, hey, take a look at yourself. Your gifting, your abilities, your commitment, your reputation. God created you for a purpose. And a big part of that purpose is to use who you are and your talents and abilities to move forward the gospel of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to do two things today. Number one, look at your own commitment. Look at your own gifting. Look at your own reputation. Look at your own abilities. If there's something that needs to be changed and you're willing, God will help you change it. You've got gifts that you're not using. God will give you an avenue to do that. Your reputation as a man or woman of God is not yet what it ought to be. God will help you change that. You've got abilities that could be used and you're not using them yet for Christ. God will open a door for you to do that. So look at yourself. Are you worthy of the calling you have received as a disciple of Jesus? 
do you need to make some changes? Hey, God will help you make them. The church will help you make them. But you got to take a good hard look at yourself. What am I doing? Who am I? How am I living? So take a good hard look at yourself. And then number two, get involved in one of our ministries aimed at reaching our community. I don't know the future. I don't know what's the next need that God will show to us that we could help. But as we look around and we see some needs, some of you may be like Renee. You may come to me and say, hey, here's a need that I think we could fill. And I will say what I often say to people. If you can take the lead in that or find somebody who can, we can do that with God's help if it can be used for the glory of Jesus. So you find a way. Our church is at our best when it's not about the staff. It's not about Pastor Jack. It's not about what the staff does when it's about what we do. Every member doing what they do best for the glory of Jesus. So this is much less a come-to-Jesus sermon than it is a take Jesus out into the community sermon because that's our strategy we look at what Jesus did we see a need we talk to him about that need and then often he says to us okay go do something about it and we say we can't we don't know how we don't have the resources but we just obey Jesus and do what he has called us to do and we are doing far more than we ever thought possible because we've been obedient to Jesus. And that's who I want us to be. And I want you to enlist yourself in that. The newsletter this next week will be about how you can get involved in one of our existing ministries. Who to contact. Between now and when that comes out on Wednesday, you pray about it. You think about it. I could get involved in homeless ministry. How do I do it? I get involved in feeding. How, how, how do I do that? I get involved in basketball. How do I do that? I get involved in this or that. How, how do I do that? But I want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. And I want you to ask Jesus, what do you want me to do? And if you're obedient to what he tells you, we will continue to reach our community for Jesus. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.